G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. At some point, we all end up at the end of our rope. Sometimes it's our own fault, other times it's not. And at those times we feel that we need to do something. It's like the last roll of the dice. Bernie Diamond, and thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're heading into the final message in this series called Taking God at His Word. And yes, we're going to take a closer look at this last roll of the dice. So let's do it. Let's dive into the Word of God. And please do stay tuned, because in just a few minutes, I'll be telling you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you live in the victory that Jesus died and rose again to give you. It is just fantastic to be with you again today, and and today we're going through the last message in a four-week series called Taking God at His Word. God makes a whole bunch of promises in His Word about who we are in Christ. Jesus, when you think about it, is the feel-good factor. But every time I get up and I say, look, we need to feel good about who we are in Christ, someone will come up to me afterwards and say, no, no, we shouldn't talk that way. We're sinners. We shouldn't be full of ourselves. No, you shouldn't talk that way. And my answer is, come on. Jesus came to give us abundant life, life to the full. He said, when I set you free, you'll be free indeed. And again, later, Paul, the apostle, writes, for freedom we have been set free. The whole point of Jesus dying on the cross to pay for our weaknesses and our failures, yeah, our sin, and him rising again, the whole point of that, the death and the resurrection, is that we should have a new life, a fresh start when we put our faith in him. That doesn't mean that there's a magic wand and and nothing bad will ever happen to us and, and that we won't face adversity. No, it doesn't mean that. But it means that we can face everything that the world throws at us, that life throws at us, and feel good about who we are in Jesus Christ. Since the day that Jesus came into my life, into my heart, I've been able to feel good about myself, not because of who I am, not because of what I've done, but because of who Jesus is and what he's done for me. We need to ditch the self-image. We all have a self-image of who we are. Sometimes that is an arrogant, pompous self-image, as mine was. And sometimes it is such a low self-image. People who suffer with low self-esteem have a low self-image. We need to take that and say, that's the old man. That person is dead. I have a new image of who I am. I am made in the image of God, and I am going to have a faith image. It is time, people, to take God at his word. The first three programs in this series, firstly, three weeks ago, we started off with a program called Come As You Are, and we saw how God says that that we have Jesus, a high priest, who knows exactly what it's like to walk in our shoes, because he has. 
And because of that, because of Jesus, we can and should come boldly before the throne of grace. It's like God's having a barbecue, God's having a party, and it's come as you are. It's not, let's change ourselves before we come to God. No, come as you are and let him change us. Big step. Take God at his word. And then two weeks ago, we looked at Ezekiel chapter 37 in a message called, Can These Bones Live? We saw how God called Ezekiel to prophesy over Israel and to raise them up from being a valley full of dead bones to being alive and full of God's life and full of God's breath. And when we come to him feeling dead, like a valley full of dry bones, that's exactly what he wants to do for us. It's time to take God at his word. And last week, we looked at overcoming adversity God's way. We saw how Israel had strayed yet again from God. And in the book of Malachi, God pointed out their sin and their failure, and he gave them a way back specifically for them, something that they could cope with. And so they took God and his word. Today, we're going to look at another form of adversity. That adversity was a consequence of Israel's own rebellion against God. And that happens. We do that sometimes. But this week, I'd like to look at the sort of adversity that happens that's not our fault. When you get retrenched or someone you love dies or a relationship breaks down or or sickness strikes us or we just feel this heaviness, the list can be as long as your arm. What happens to us on the inside is that we feel small and alone and insignificant and Jesus is Jesus. Yes, he's Jesus, but he's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's high and he's mighty and he created the whole universe. Does he have the time or the inclination or the will to help me when I'm in the middle of that? Yeah, I know. We know it in our heads. But in our hearts, right at those times, it can be so difficult to realize that God wants to help us. So we're going to look at someone that Jesus helped. It was a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. He helped her when she was a nobody and when he was everybody. He was Jesus Christ's superstar. Let's have a read. If you have a Bible, grab it. And let's go to Mark chapter 5, beginning at verse 21. This is how it goes. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when Jairus saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come, come and lay your hands on her so that she might be made well and live. And so Jesus went with Jairus. A large crowd followed them and pressed in on Jesus. Now there was a woman who'd been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She'd endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather she grew worse. She heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, because she said to herself, If I can just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Immediately, her hemorrhaging stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone out of him, Jesus turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, You can see the whole crowd's pressing in on you. How can you say who touched me? But Jesus looked all around to see who'd done it. The woman, knowing what had happened to her, 
came in fear and trembling and fell down before Jesus and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house, from Jairus' place, to say, Your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the teacher any further. But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Don't fear, only believe. The crux of this story is that Jesus is walking along and the leader of a synagogue, Jairus, comes to him because his daughter's dying. And yet, while he's going to Jairus' house, which, which is a pressing need, the guy's daughter is dying. This woman stops Jesus on the way, and he has time to spend with her. Look at the key players. There's a power play going on here in this story. The crowd, the disciples, Jairus, Jesus, the woman, Jairus' friends, and of course, Jairus' daughter. And we see that this huge crowd was following Jesus. And Jesus had been doing miracle after miracle, and so he was attracting a really huge crowd. I remember when I was a young boy, and the Beatles came to town, and the crowds were all around. This, this is Jesus Christ, superstar. And yet, he has time to stop for this woman. We're going to look at that power play when we come back after this short break. Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. As we take this short break, I'd like to tell you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you draw closer to God. It's called Fresh, a short daily devotional, a powerful scripture verse, together with some words of inspiration, hope, and encouragement delivered right to the inbox on your smartphone, tablet, or computer each and every day. Or, if you prefer, you can now receive a printed version delivered right to your letterbox. It's completely free. To get instant access either to the digital or the printed version of Fresh, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com. You'll see that Fresh e-devotional sign-up right there at the top of the homepage. Or if you prefer, give us a call toll-free on 1300-722-415 to request the printed Fresh devotional. It's completely up to you. That's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1300-722-415. So go ahead, sign up to receive fresh, and may your heart be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through his word. So let's head back now into the word of God to see what else he has to say to us today. We're looking today on the program at this story of the bleeding woman, this this woman who had been struggling and she'd been to doctors and she'd lost all her money, had been struggling for 12 years and Jesus comes to town, Jesus Christ, superstar, followed by this huge crowd. Jairus, the, the synagogue leader, gets to him first and a power play happens. So let's, just, let's just look at the woman and Jairus, just compare them. Here were two people that both came to Jesus with a need, Jairus. His daughter was dying. Well, that's a big need. There was an urgency around that. And this woman, this woman had been struggling for 12 years in sickness. Let's just do a bit of a comparison. In this first century patriarchal society, on the one hand, Jairus was a man. She was a woman. And women in those days were often treated just as possessions. It was a patriarchal society. He was the leader of a synagogue. He was a religious leader. He was somebody in this town. This woman, she had no position. 
He was respected, she was despised. He had an identity. We know his name, Jairus. Tell me, what was the woman's name? We don't read her name in the story. She had no identity. She was a a nobody. We never get to find out what her name was. He was close to God. He was a leader in the synagogue. But she, she was an outcast. You say to me, Bernie, how do you know that she was an outcast? She was just a woman that was sick. No, no, no. She had been bleeding for 12 years. And under Mosaic law, this woman was unclean. And so she was an outcast. Just flip your Bible, if you have one, back to Leviticus, right at the beginning, in the law, in the Torah. This is the Jewish Hebrew law that was laid down under God's hand, the law under which Israel lived. And in chapter 15 of Leviticus, verse 25, it says this, If a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, not at the time of her impurity, or if she has a discharge beyond the time of her impurity, all the days of her discharge she shall continue in uncleanness. As in the days of her impurity, she shall be unclean. Every bed on which she lies during all the days of her discharge shall be treated as the bed of her impurity. And everything on which she sits shall be unclean, as in the uncleanness of her impurity. Whoever touches these things shall be unclean, and shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until the evening. If she is cleansed of her discharge, she shall count seven days... And after that, she shall be clean. On the eighth day, she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons and bring them to the priest to the entrance of the tent of the meeting. And the priest shall offer one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. And the priest shall make atonement on her behalf before the Lord for her unclean discharge. Thus, you shall keep the people of Israel separate from their uncleanness so that they do not die in their uncleanness by defiling my tabernacle that is in their midst. Seems bizarre to us, right? This woman was sick. You know, she was discharging blood. It wasn't just her normal period. She was, she was sick for a long time, but the law said she was unclean. And if anyone came into contact with her or anything she touched, they were unclean. So she was a social outcast for those 12 years. We know about Jairus. He had family and friends and home. We don't find out anything about the woman. We know that Jairus had a daughter who was 12 years old. And yet this woman had suffered for that same period, 12 years. We know that there was risk for Jairus. He was a synagogue leader. He, he threw himself down before Jesus. We'll look at that a bit later. There was risk for the woman too, because she was pressing through the crowd and everyone she touched became unclean. If they knew that, they mightn't be so happy with her. And for both of them, it was a last resort. For Jairus, his daughter was dying. For this woman, she tried everything. It was a last resort. And they both came to Jesus in faith. So on the one hand, you have this man of power and position and status and family. He had everything except his daughter was dying. On the other hand, you have a woman with no name, who's unclean, who's an outcast. And they both came to Jesus in faith. You have the greatest and the least. Jairus and the bleeding woman. That's the point of these two people. Well, who's got the power? Jesus arrives back from, from being across the sea, and he comes back and he lands, and there's a big, big crowd. And Jairus, who is known by all the people in the crowd, comes and throws himself down before Jesus. Jesus had been doing some radical things. He'd been healing. People were upset with him. And yet Jairus bows down before him and puts the power in Jesus' hands. And Jesus is coming with Jairus. And now Jesus has the power. Jesus has the status. Jairus has bowed down before Jesus and elevated him by so doing. And Jesus chooses to use the power 
for this woman. The amazing thing is that she came to him, Jesus Christ's superstar, the crowd pressing in, Jesus is rushing off through this crowd. Imagine the disciples were like bouncers, you know, kind of clearing everyone away. We're in a hurry. This Jairus guy's daughter is dying. Let's get Jesus there before she dies. And Jesus has time to spend with her. Well, look at how astounding that is. When when she touched him in faith and his power flowed into her and she was healed. Well, look at the really astounding thing about that right after this break. Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. I just want to take a moment during this short break to share something truly important with you. Following Jesus means going against the flow in a society that's increasingly headed in that opposite direction. Hey, that's not easy. It's, it's not easy to believe in the promises of God when the world's telling you that they're not true. That's why I'd love to send you a free copy of our latest life application booklet, It's called Taking God at His Word. It's full of life-changing, practical Bible teaching to help you live your life firm in the promises of God. In fact, at the end of each chapter, you'll find a series of life application questions to help you think through and apply God's Word right into the realities of your life. To request your free copy, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415, and we'll send your free booklet straight out to you in the post. But this is the very last week that this particular booklet will be available, so don't miss out. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com, or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. All right, then, let's dive straight back into God's Word. Well, we're working our way through this story of the woman who was sick for 12 years and she touched Jesus from from a crowd and she was healed. Healing takes us all by surprise. But what happened here for this woman is she came to Jesus in faith. She just took him at his word. And in, in the crowd, when, when Jesus was rushing off with Jairus, this man of power and position, to go and heal his daughter who was dying, and the disciples were kind of being like bouncers just to get him through the crowds, this woman touches Jesus and he stops. And he turns around and he says, Who touched me? And the disciples laugh at him and said, Come on, Jesus. Like, there's a crowd around you. What's the matter with you? Who touched you? But he wasn't perturbed. He wanted to know who touched him. Look at verse 33 of of Mark chapter 5, if you have a Bible. It says this, The woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. The whole truth. Literally all the truth. I looked it up in in a Greek dictionary. That word all means each, every, any, all, the whole, everything, all things, anything, the whole cotton pick and lot. Hmm, 12 years. She's She's been bleeding. She's been suffering. She's been going to doctors, she's an outcast, she's segregated, she can't worship with anyone else in the synagogue. Pretty rough trot this woman's had for 12 years. And let's face it, there was no hot and cold running water, so she probably stank too, and people talked about her. She told Jesus the whole truth. Now, Jesus is rushing off to heal Jairus' daughter who's dying. The crowd stops, everything stops, like, stop. And Jesus is focused on the woman, and, and she bows down before him in fear and trembling 
and she tells him the whole truth. Now, how long do you think it took her to tell the whole truth? It wasn't just a minute or two. The whole truth. She told him the whole story. All the pain, all, all everything that had happened over those 12 years. My hunch is it took at least five to ten minutes, maybe a bit more. I've often taken this passage and, and had people play act it out in churches. And whenever I've asked a woman to, to play this role and to tell the whole truth, it's taken at least five to ten minutes. What about Jairus' daughter? They're rushing off. She's dying. How do you think Jairus is feeling in the middle of this five to ten to fifteen minutes of pause on the way to healing his daughter who's dying? I'm Jairus. I'm a synagogue leader. My daughter's dying. Jesus, come on. This is just some woman, you know, some nameless woman who's unclean. Come back to her later. Jairus had begged Jesus repeatedly to come with him. There was urgency. But on the way, Jesus has time to stop for a nobody. Do you love that? Jesus stopped and listened as though he had time aplenty. And he was so pleased with her, he said to her daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Jesus stopped for the nobody. But while he was still speaking, the friends of Jairus came and said, Jairus, sorry, but your kid's dead. Don't bring Jesus over. It's just too late. In other words, there was the greatest and the least, Jairus and the woman. And as we see later in the story, we won't read it all today, but Jesus went and he, he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. But when he was dealing with the greatest and the least, position made no difference to him. Status made no difference to him. Man or woman, synagogue leader or nobody, clean or unclean, he didn't care. In fact, he put the least first. And at the end of the day, Jesus had enough for both of them. It wasn't one or the other. You know, when, when we're struggling, this woman was going through, through hell for 12 years. Our problems may not be like hers, but our problems are our problems. And they seem just as big and just as painful. And we look around and we think, this Jesus Christ superstar, he's out there for someone else. He's, he's going to heal the synagogue leader. He, he's going to do the stuff for, for the super Christian over there. But me, you know, it's just little old me in my dark little hole with all my pain and problems. And, and Jesus is never going to do anything for me. This is God's word. This, this is God's word, and it says this is what God looks like. Jesus said, if you want to see the Father, look at me because you've seen the Father. Later on in the book of Hebrews in, in chapter 1, it says that Jesus was the exact imprint or the exact image of God. Jesus Christ's superstar heard the Father's plea for the daughter. He went with the Father. And yet he delayed and stopped and listened to and blessed the very least. What got them both a miracle? What was it for Jairus and for this woman that got them both a miracle? It wasn't position. It wasn't status. It was a desperate last roll of the dice. Faith in Jesus Christ. That, that's what Jesus praised her for. He said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And later on, Jesus says to Jairus, don't listen to him. Don't be afraid. Just believe in me. Just continue that faith that brought you to a point of bowing down before me in that crowd. When everyone could have laughed at you, take that faith 
hang on to that thought and let me do a miracle for you in your life. This is God's word. God is telling us through this story more powerfully than he could in any other words what he is like. This is what I am like for you. I don't care whether you're the greatest or the least. I don't care whether you're a man or woman. I I don't care whether your adversity is any bigger or worse than anyone else's. I'm here for you, here and now, here for your pain, here for your sick daughter, here for your particular situation. And it doesn't matter who you are. Come to me, touch me in faith, cry out to me in faith. And let me be the miracle-working God in your life. What's going on in your life at the moment? What pain, what need, what fear? What miracle do you need? Can I encourage you to look at this picture of Jesus, this picture of God, and to cast the eyes of your soul upon this Jesus and in faith to say, Lord, I need your help. It is time to take God at his word. Well, that's pretty much all we have time for today. But before I go, there's something truly important that I need to share with you. This program, Christianity Works, is encouraging so many people in over 160 countries to lay hold of the promises of God in Jesus Christ. Those powerful, life-changing promises in Christ and Christ alone. Amen. But that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. Each dollar that you give toward the ministry of Christianity Works today will help reach over 2,500 people with a gospel message. So a gift today of, say, $35 can touch over 85,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Wow, it's amazing. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift to Christianity Works today. You can do that right now, securely online, by visiting our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or by calling 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, please don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet I mentioned earlier. It's called Taking God at His Word. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Thank you so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond, and I'll catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace, and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.